0: All right, we are continuing our study in uh, Philippians. In fact, this morning, we're not only continuing our study in Philippians, but we're continuing our message from last Sunday. Uh, Hopefully, uh, most of you were here. If you weren't here last Sunday, uh, feel free to go out onto the website or onto uh, some podcast platform where you can find the sermons chronicled uh, and archived there. And you can pick up last week's sermon so that you'll kind of know what we covered today. It's the same title, Advance the Gospel, but today is part two. And so we'll be looking at Philippians chapter 1, verses 12 through 18. Those of you who were here or perhaps listened to it before now may recall that last Sunday was Super Bowl Sunday and we talked about what it means to play football and how important it is to move the ball down the field and what we refer to as advancing the game that you may not make a touchdown in one play, you may not run all the way from one end zone to the other in one play, but every play that you make, the objective is to advance the ball a little bit down the field. And so it is with the gospel that we should take into account all that we do, our very lives that God has given us for the purpose of advancing the gospel. And so the questions that I suggest that we should be asking ourselves is, what is it that I am doing in my life to advance the gospel? And we need to be honest with ourselves, and if the answer is, I'm doing nothing to advance the gospel, then we certainly need to seek God. Ask Him, Father, what is it that I could do in my life where you have me planted so that I might do things for the advancement of the gospel. Now, I want to say a quick aside here, because for those of you here or anyone who may be listening, I want to make sure that there is a clear understanding we're not talking about salvation we're not talking about doing things in order to become saved because God's word is clear about that there's nothing that we can do we can't do enough we cannot earn our salvation so we're not talking here about doing things to earn our salvation so when I use the words works or uh, blessings those sorts I'm not talking about earning salvation if I say sacrifice, I'm not talking about earning salvation. What we're talking about is those who have come to a saving knowledge of Christ, those who have a relationship with God through the Lord Jesus, that we are called in our lives to advance the gospel. And we see evidence of this in this passage this morning, Philippians chapter 1, verses 12 through 18, where we see the Apostle Paul who is in prison... And he writes to those at the church at Philippi, beginning in verse 12, he says, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel, so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. So we see here that clearly God can use our circumstances. God can use our sacrifice to advance the gospel. The Lord can turn efforts to thwart His will, to thwart His kingdom into means for advancing the gospel. Paul makes it clear here that what others meant evil for him, the Lord was using for good. So we need to look into our lives, and when we see you know, tragedy or we see hardship and we make sacrifices, we need to understand that it is for the purpose of advancing the gospel. And so it is that we are called to do that. It is our responsibility to advance the gospel Paul here says I want you to know brothers that what has happened to me his incarceration his being put in jail his persecution so I want you to know that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel now he wants these people to know that because no doubt some of those people were probably looking and thinking well if this is really such a god godly man a man of God then why would God be put into jail you know you look at somebody like that in jail and say well they wouldn't be in jail if they hadn't done something wrong they must have done something wrong well that was that same sort of thing going on there and so he wants them to understand that what has happened to me although it may seem bad it really has served to advance the gospel he tells us in his letter to Timothy, 2 Timothy, he says, I endure everything for the sake of the elect, or for the gospel. I endure everything. In the book of Acts, Paul there says, But I do not account my life of any value, nor is precious to myself. If only I may finish my course, and the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus... And that ministry is to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. And then in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, he writes there, I do it all for the sake of the gospel. His whole life, his whole life was dedicated to advancing the gospel. Well, you look at that and maybe say, well, but Pastor, that was the Apostle Paul, right? I mean... That's different. Really? He wasn't always the Apostle Paul. He started out just a man named Saul. He became Apostle Paul because of what he did. And so he's really no different than any of us. Other than his commitment, as we see here, I do it all for the sake of the gospel. I live my very life for the sake of the gospel. We are called to advance the gospel. I wish everybody could come on Wednesday nights. We have some great discussions on Wednesday nights. Every Wednesday night what we try to do is we take the sermon from the previous Sunday and we just kind of put it out there. And I'll usually try to throw out a few questions to kind of prime the pump and then there's some great discussion that ensues there. But one of the questions that I brought up this past Sunday was this very thing. Are we called to advance the gospel? And if we are, is that a commandment? Is that something that God commands us to do to advance the gospel? Or is that just a suggestion? Well, the consensus of everybody that was there Wednesday night was that it is a command that we are to advance the gospel. Jesus Himself said, go make disciples. It was not a suggestion it was a command we are commanded to advance the gospel but if this is a command then why is it that we take it so lightly you think of other commands that you might think of i mean the first thing that comes to my mind is the ten commandments right how about you shall not murder we don't really struggle with that do we it's a command and I'd like to think most of us probably have been able to successfully keep that commandment. Shall not murder, shall not steal. We don't argue with that. We don't put that off as insignificant. We treat it as it is, that it is important, that it is a command of God, something that should be obeyed. But this command to advance the gospel... It seems like far too often it gets kind of put on the back shelf. Or maybe up high where it's just dusty. It never gets addressed. This is one of those topics that probably you thinking maybe you wished you hadn't come today. Because we don't like to be reminded of our responsibility in this relationship with God. You know, we want Him to love us. We want Him to... Bless us. We want Him to make promises and keep promises. But we don't like to be reminded that it's a two-way street, as it is in any relationship. That we want Him to love us, but wake up. He wants us to love Him too. He wants us to demonstrate that love to Him. Part of the way that we do that is through obedience many of you are familiar with oswald chambers who wrote my utmost for his highest and i ran across this recently uh, last friday i think it was on that particular day what he had written was recorded here it says we don't consciously and deliberately disobey god we simply don't listen to him God has given His commands to us, but we pay no attention to them. Not because of willful disobedience, but because we do not truly love and respect Him. The Lord Jesus says, if you love me, keep my commandments. Then Oswald Chambers writes, am I constantly humiliating God by ignoring Him while He lovingly continues to treat me as his child so we are commanded to advance the gospel the apostle paul goes on in our passage this morning he says so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for christ you see uh, of all people The Apostle Paul probably had earned the right to grumble and complain and to whine and to be bitter about how he had been treated about his persecution, about his imprisonment, but instead of whining and complaining, what he writes to those at Philippi is that I want you to understand that this is a good thing, that this has turned out to advance the gospel, so much so that It has become known throughout the whole imperial guard, the Roman guards, and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. See, Paul didn't see it as a bad thing. He was willingly making a sacrifice because he saw that this sacrifice of him, of himself, was not something to bemoan, not something to whine and complain about, not something to be bitter about, but he even uses the word rejoice. That he was glad that because of his persecution, because of his incarceration, that the gospel was known throughout the whole imperial guard And everybody had come to learn. Everybody knew that Paul was there as a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. So my question to you this morning is, what do you have in your life to compare to that? What sacrifice are you making for Christ to advance the gospel? Do you ever sacrifice for Christ in the gospel of Luke the Lord Jesus himself says if anyone would come after me let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me he's called us to a life of obedience a life of sacrifice when it's necessary so that we might advance the gospel You know, I was thinking this past week as I reflected on this, I I thought, I've shared this before, but you know, why is it that once we are saved that God allows us to continue to live here on earth? Well, arguably it's because He wants us to advance the gospel. He saves us And then says, all right, now I want you to go and share the gospel. I want you to go and advance the kingdom of God here on earth. Use this new eternal life that you have, the indwelling Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit to go out and advance the gospel. So I would argue that that's one of the reasons that He doesn't snatch us up as soon as we're saved, is because we have a reason, we have a purpose to continue to live here on earth. You may recall the Apostle Paul said that he would rather be in heaven with the Lord Jesus, but he says it is better for you that I remain here. Now, most of us would say, I would love to live a long, healthy, and fruitful life. Are you giving God a reason to let you do that? Do you have a reason to continue to live a long life here on earth if you're doing nothing to advance the gospel? Why would He do that? Maybe He's looking at your life and saying, you know what, they're not really doing anything to advance the gospel, I might as well go ahead and just bring them home. So we need to look seriously at our lives and ask that question of ourselves. What am I doing here on earth while God has left me here? What am I doing personally to advance the gospel? Because the truth is God doesn't want just your Sunday mornings. He doesn't even want those who are really spiritual that come on Wednesday nights. He wants your whole life. He wants your job. He wants your family. He wants your finances. He wants your time. He wants everything. He wants your whole life. In the book of Romans, Paul writes in chapter 12, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. God wants it all. He wants your whole life. You have nothing to claim as your own. Are you willing to sacrifice your time to advance the gospel? Are you willing to sacrifice your money to advance the gospel? Are you willing to sacrifice your pride to advance the gospel. So I ask you again how is your sacrifice and your suffering advancing the gospel? You see, because when we sacrifice for Christ, we lose nothing. Martin Luther King gave a speech in 1957. And in that, he was speaking about the injustices of racial tensions in our country. But he makes a good statement here because in this speech, he speaks of those who are doing evil and those who are called to do good. And what you'll see is that he somewhat challenges or or reprimands those who are called to do good because he says there is more at stake here. There is more to be repented of than just those who do evil. The others who must repent are those who are called to do good and refuse to do it. And so it can be for us, as we are called, we are commanded to advance the gospel. And if we don't do it, you know, we'll be first to sit around and point to all of those bad people out there that are doing bad things. They shouldn't do that. That's terrible. They're not godly people. But yet, when God commands us to do something, we just glance away we don't pay attention we don't listen we don't obey and so Martin Luther King says it may well be that the greatest tragedy of this period of social transition is not the glaring noisiness of the bad people but the appalling silence of the good people It may be that our generation will have to repent not only for the diabolical actions and vitriolic words of the children of darkness, but also for the crippling fears and tragic apathy of the children of light. It is one of the tragedies of history that the children of darkness are often wiser, more zealous, conscientious, and determined than the children of light so the apostle Paul goes on in our text today and he says and most of the brothers having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment are much more bold to speak the word without fear so you see two things have happened here to advance the gospel one By Paul being in jail, he has been exposed to the Roman guard and has been able to both share the gospel and to demonstrate the gospel through grace and mercy toward these guards such to a point that it has spread throughout all the guard and and you know how that sort of thing goes I'm sure that these guards had families and friends and so not only did they hear the gospel but they went out and started telling everybody else about this prisoner that we got over here this guy named Paul man he's been telling me some really crazy stuff but it sounds great you know I mean that we can have our sins forgiven and this is crazy so not only was it the imperial guard but all the others as well were hearing the gospel and so that was one Way The gospel was being advanced by Paul being in jail and being persecuted. But we see here in this passage that another way that the gospel was being advanced was that those among the believers who had observed Paul in jail under less than optimum circumstances, instead of him being upset and bitter, They see how he is responding, and he's saying, I rejoice in this because the gospel is being advanced. And that emboldened these other people to say, you know what, if Paul can do it, so can I. And I see that you know one of the worst things that could happen is being put in jail for my faith, but I see that Paul is handling it. The Lord Jesus is meeting his needs. The Lord Jesus is giving him peace and comfort in the midst of his suffering, and I believe I can do it too. And so, instead of Paul being bitter, he says this is actually good for the advancement of the gospel. And most of the brothers have become more confident and are much more bold to speak the word without fear. The commentator Matthew Henry In referencing this particular passage, he writes, the expectation of trouble for their religion in general perhaps disheartened and discouraged them. It was reasonable that they were afraid about maybe getting arrested and put in jail. But when they saw Paul imprisoned for Christ, they would not be deterred from preaching Christ and praising His name. It made them more bold. The comfort which Paul had in his sufferings, His extraordinary consolations received from Christ greatly encouraged them. They saw that those who served Christ served a good master who could both bear them up and bear them out in their sufferings for Him. There's something about serving the Lord Jesus. When others see the abandon in you, And you all maybe have met people like this who clearly are on fire for Jesus and they have turned their whole life over to Jesus. And they're like, just whatever God, whatever it is that you want from me, whatever it is you want me to do, wherever it is you want me to go, it's all yours. And that light's a fire of boldness within us. And so it was with those who observed Paul's response to his incarceration to his persecution they were emboldened there was a fire set within them there's a wonderful story in the book of acts that tells of Peter and John and and the other believers you may be familiar with the story Peter and John are on their way to the temple and they encounter a lame man there and Peter heals that man and then they took that opportunity, and they began explaining to the people about Jesus. Well, the religious leaders were not very happy about that. And so it says in Acts 4, As they were speaking to the people, the priests and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them, greatly annoyed, because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they arrested them and put them in custody. So Peter and John now have been arrested. And the next day, the religious leaders questioned them and threatened them, demanding that they stop sharing the gospel. Now, these religious leaders don't believe in Jesus. They don't believe He was the Messiah, couldn't care less. They were just upset because they didn't want anybody usurping their power and their authority. But in verse 13 of Acts 4, It says, now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated, common men, they were astonished. Now get this verse, this sentence. And they recognized that they had been with Jesus. They saw boldness, they saw courage in these men and they attributed it to a relationship with Jesus. They saw that they were bold, and they were astonished, and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. It goes on, And when they were released, they went to their friends and reported that the chief priests and the elders had said to them, and when they heard it, they lifted their voices together to God and said, This is their prayer. Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal, and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And when they had prayed this, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they continued to speak the Word of God with boldness. Boldness. Instead, they provided opportunity for it to be extended from deep within a jail to the ends of the earth. What I'm asking today, what I believe God is asking, is that you allow God to use your life, all of it, not just the bits and pieces that you're willing to let go of, not just the bits and pieces that are left over, not just the time that's left over when you've done everything that you want to do, not just the money that's left over when you've spent everything you wanted to spend, but everything is His first And I believe He is calling us, commanding us to use our lives to advance the gospel. So I'll leave you with the words of the Apostle Paul as he wrote to the Corinthians. He says, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word that teaches us so much. Father, there are times when uh, we see loving words, promises. Father, there are times when it's challenging and you, you call us to obedience and you remind us of our responsibility in this relationship. And Father, sometimes it can be convicting but oh what a blessing it is that we can know that feeling of conviction father before salvation before redemption there was no conviction there was no holy spirit dwelling within us to bring about conviction and so father for those of us who may look at our lives this morning and say i'm doing nothing to advance the gospel or i'm doing a little but i could do more we should rejoice and give thanks that you holy spirit are are moving in us convicting us challenging us calling us unto yourself so that we might become more like jesus so for that i give you thanks I ask, Father, that You would convict us, that You would point out those areas where we need to do better. Those areas where we could and should do more. And Father, that we may do it with the right perspective, that we may do it with the right attitude, that we might do it with a happy heart, that we would do it out of love for You so that we might give You all the glory. So whatever we do, whether it's to eat or to drink or whatever we do, may we do it all to your glory. In the name of Jesus, amen.